I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea when the angry waves threatened my ruin to be when away at my side there I dimly described a stately old vessel and loudly I cried ship a Well, once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you at this time. Brother Munn speaking. Our program here called The Mariner's Call. This old mariner having an opportunity to take and speak the Word of God. What a, what a challenge. Thank you for welcoming us into your home by means of radio as well as these stations that air our program. Thank you so much, sir, ma'am. Uh, station managers, those who work the board, uh, thank you for uh, just to make it possible for Brother Mon to be able to take and open the Word of God and, uh, well, present the Word of God maybe from a mariner's uh, point of view. Hey, if whoever can help you, if you ever hear something on this program you'd like to make a comment on, we're as close as that keyboard, F-O-M-M dot O-R-G, F-O-M-M dot O-R-G. That's part of that WWW, the World Wide Web. That'll bring you to us here at Fishers of Men Ministries International, very simple website, but good enough. Uh, to where you can sort of leave us your tracks there. <laughs> Tell us that uh, you paid us a visit there. In the book of Luke, Luke chapter 23, something a little controversial here, and uh, maybe that'll get the attention of some people. Maybe that, maybe, maybe almost half asleep, you know, or maybe driving down the road, and you better keep your eyes on the road, and you better give attention <laughs> to what you're doing there. But, uh, uh, something a bit controversial. Have you ever heard of deathbed repentance? Have you heard of that? Is it possible to live a life of sin and get all the way to the end of your life and turn to God? What's your thoughts about that? Sow your wild oats. I'm going to sow my wild oats first, and, and when I get through, I'll turn to God. I've had people say, I'm not ready yet. When I get good and ready, I'll, uh, I'll take and try to give heed to something that you're trying to tell me, preacher. Uh, what about something like this? Say, so what do you think, Brother Mon? Well, I think what I need to do is read some verses of Scripture here first. We have the account, Luke chapter 23, the nation of Israel has rejected their Messiah. Think about the Roman government has crucified him. He's hanging right in the middle of two thieves, and two thieves are just cursing, making the air blue, just blasphemy, open blasphemy there. In the book of Matthew 27, Mark chapter 15, the companion account, you know, they're casting on him with their teeth. They're both reviling him. But something happens to one of these thieves. And Luke records this for us. Luke chapter 23, verse 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. All right, he said, If thou be Christ. Steve, look it over. And it said, If thou art. So he's an unbeliever, correct? Verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? 
And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. What do we, what, what do we have here? We here face with something does happen to one of these men. Uh, but this man is most undeserving, as far as his condition is concerned, to receive any help from God. Uh, what can I say? He wasted his life in a criminal career. He spent all his money and his time and his health, his strength, and what? His opportunities on sin. He lived on the bounties of God and breathed God's air and ate God's food. Yet there was no time for God. And now he's calling out to God at the end of his life stolen from himself, his fellow man and God. He was a thief. He's a robber. He's an outlaw. But somehow, some way, and we'll see if we can understand this a little better, today he became a trophy of God's grace. What happened to this one man? Well, first of all, he saw his condition. Look at verse 40. It says, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? All right. He understands that he was suffering for his own sin. He was condemned. The Roman government just had enough of this man. You know, sin has a way of finally catching up with people. may take the end of the road, but there's never a way to sin and get away with it, for the wages of sin is death. And this man understands that he is unworthy of the least of the mercy of God because he's a, he's a rebel sinner. Probably, I don't know this for sure, but probably this Probably both of these thieves were Gentiles outside of Christ, outside the covenant, hopelessly lost, now bound with the cords of their own sin, and they're helpless to save themselves. And this man's helpless to save himself. That's why he makes the cry out to Jesus, Lord, what are you saying, Brother Mon? Helpless to save himself. And yet somehow he becomes a trophy of grace. I don't understand it. This man can't work for his salvation. Most of you that listen, I guess, uh, I hope not most. Many, I could say many of you that listen, believe as far as salvation is concerned, you have to work to do something, you know, depending on what religion and what denomination you are. You got to do something to be saved. What about this man? Can he do anything? <laughs> no. He's, he's long. His hands are nailed. He can't show any acts of contrition, you know. He can't get on his knees and pray or cry, you know. Well, he could cry, but he can't pay for his salvation. Maybe the if he has any clothes, clothing, garment on him at all and would have pockets, it's not full of money. This man cannot pay for his salvation. He can't take an ordinance. He can't observe a ceremony, you know. He can't join a religion. If he is to be saved, it's going to have to be 100% by the grace of God. There's nothing he can do. But this man makes a confession. Let's see if we can dig into it just a little bit to help us understand. Why did God show this man some mercy? His confession, verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? What happened to this one thief? Somehow, the fear of God began to possess him. The fear of God? Dost thou not fear God? You know, the thing that's true of most all sinners, 
According to Romans chapter 3, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Something happens to this man's heart as he's looking at Jesus Christ. The fear of God begins to possess him. And then as to this man's confession, as to its content, he confesses as to his own sinfulness. For we indeed justly, for we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our sins. In other words, he's basically saying something like this. We're getting just what we ask for. <laughs> just payment. Justly, for we receive the due reward. All right. Getting, my friend, what they deserve. As far as his cry is concerned, there's something there that's a little deeper, though. Let's go just a little further here. Verse 41. It says, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. All right. Now, here we go. He understands that he's guilty. But he says this. But this man hath done nothing amiss. What is he saying? That Jesus is not guilty. He looks at the other dying thief. We're guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. But this man, he's done nothing amiss. So as he looks at Jesus Christ, something is happening here. He's seeing Christ. If he's not guilty, then he must be there for some other reason, you know. And I understand the first word now that comes out of his mouth, verse 42, as he addresses Jesus, he said this, and he said unto him, or he, and he said unto Jesus, all right, and he said unto Jesus, the first word was Jesus, all right, what, Matthew 1, 21, for you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people, and then he said, Jesus, Lord, he sees maybe a substitute, maybe a savior, Maybe even some deity here. Jesus, Lord. Why use this word Lord? That's the word for master, ruler, uh, uh, one, of a, one in authority and power, Jehovah, God. He understands some things about deity. And he must understand in verse 42, something about resurrection. Verse 42, it is said, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That don't make any sense. You said, why? Because Jesus is dying just like they're dying. Remember, when we, remember me when you come to your kingdom. There is a kingdom that this man is going to come into, and you're asking for a part of that. How is this going to happen? Must know that something about this Savior that's more than just what he sees there with the eyes. In fact, he must see something that the others have missed. Maybe he does see a substitute. I wish I had time to get into this more. Sees a Savior, Jesus, Lord, deity. He sees Christ on a cross. Isn't that John chapter 12, verse 32? And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. All right. Jesus is already, as far as this hanging on the cross, uh, even before the resurrection, already drawing people unto himself. And this man not only makes, we understands his condition, his confession, and his cry, but oh, he gets some comfort. What's, what's, what's the comfort that he had? 
And Jesus saith unto him, or said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The comfort was he's hearing something out of the mouth of the best promiser that has ever lived. Who is that? Jesus, a promise made. Not only the best promiser, but the best place. Thou shalt be with me in paradise, home of the soul, the best time. He said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise, and the best company. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Praise the Lord. Is there any help for somebody that gets to the end of their life? I don't know. Uh, The answer here before us is yes, it's possible. But I would have to say no, not probable. You said, what do you mean? Of all the places I read here in the New Testament of Christ, doing something in a person's life to transform them, or the power of the gospel as we find, and we read further into the New Testament, I only find one dying thief. I wouldn't take a chance. As far as salvation is concerned, you know when salvation is for? Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, the writer says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, not in the future. You say, well, Brother Mon, I'm going to think about it when I get to the, I wouldn't take a chance on that. Do you know when you're going to die? Do you know the exact time of your death? How, how are you going to say, I'm going to call out and God's going to have so You don't know that. You don't know that. So, Hebrews 3, 7. Today, if you will hear his voice, today is the day of salvation. Amen. And if you're saved, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Isn't it good that God could save a dying thief, saved to the utmost? Amen. They're coming to God by him. But I tell you what, I wouldn't wait to the end of life because I, wouldn't, I don't know when that is. I trust Christ today. Now, have you done that? Have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? I'm not asking, do you believe? Uh, The devils believe. I'm asking, what are you trusting to get you to heaven? Jesus died for your sins, according to the Scriptures. Raised. My friend, if you believe, thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? Do so. Do so today. And you too can be a trophy of grace. Until next week, this is Fisher Munn saying goodbye.